When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. just wanted to let everyone know that scripted television is officially back. I knew like after the pandemic and the shutdown, like there would be a lag. There were definitely some iffy reality programming that was happening. I did hear we got some good animation, but unfortunately that's just not my jam. I love just a good old drama series. And I recently discovered the Hulu show, Tell Me Lies, and I'm obsessed. Everyone I know who is watching the show says the same thing. I feel like I wrote this show. Like, this is my life. This is my past relationship. So the season one finale just aired, and I was so blown away. I immediately slid into the DMs of the creator of the show, and I was like, please, please, please come on my pod. I have so many questions. And she said yes. So I have the amazing Megan Oppenheimer here to kiki with me about Tell Me Lies. Surface Level, Tell Me Lies is a drama about a very complicated relationship between the show's main characters, Lucy Albright and Stephen DeMarco, who met during Lucy's freshman year of college. Now, the pilot episode kicks off in the year 2015, and we immediately learn that Lucy, who is now a woman in her 20s, is headed to an engagement party for her college bestie where she knows her ex will be. From there, the rest of the series takes place eight years earlier between September 2007, when Lucy first arrives on campus, through the summer of 2008, once she's completed her first year. In the span of that year, we see a tragic death that reverberates and creates a butterfly effect throughout the friend group. We see all too familiar toxic relationships play out with some shockingly surprise endings. And for those of us who have experienced friend groups and relationships like the ones on the show, it might even unlock some memories of our own past, which I'll admit for myself was a bit triggering, but I also found it kind of comforting to know that I wasn't crazy and we've all had things like this happen to us. If you haven't watched the show, first of all, shame on you. But second of all, pause this episode, go watch, and then come back and listen after you finish because there will be maybe a few spoilers here and there throughout this interview. There were so many reveals in the final episode and the ending of the finale was such a shocker. So I'm very much looking forward to a season two. But before that, let's unpack season one and the characters we love to hate with Tell Me Lies showrunner, Megan Oppenheimer. 
Now, The Show Tell Me Lies is based on a book by Carolyn Loverine. I haven't read the book, but, you know, one thing is the time period of this book happens between 2015 back to 2007, 2008, which I thought was really interesting. And I have my own theories on why that is. Is it because that's what the set the scene was set in the book, or did you have specific reasons around using that time period? No, the book was sort of it could be placed any time, I believe, as far as I remember. But I I was in college in 2007, and I just think it's an interesting time that people are only now starting to be nostalgic about. Uh, we haven't had a lot of stuff that's really set in that time and focused on that time. And then in terms of the later storyline, honestly, I just wanted to avoid the hellhole that was 2016. Like, I feel like the world changed so much with Mm -hmm. the political landscape of the world. And I felt like it would alter how these young people even moved within their worlds. And and I just didn't even want to have to, it feels like 2015 was the last, um, I mean, it was still complicated, but yeah, I just wanted to avoid that really. No, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I was thinking it had a lot around, like, just even the social media landscape. Like, I didn't get Instagram until, I think, 2009. And so a lot of how this plays out would have played out so differently if they had Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, imagine. Yeah, no, that was another part of it for sure. I think that, you know, 2007, I was very, I mean, lucky, I don't know. I feel like I got to go to college at the time. It was the last time when kids were able to be kind of anonymous and you were able to go to college and behave like an animal and be a reckless young person without everything being documented and everyone being a paparazzi. And so it feels like the last kind of little semblance of privacy that we had. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, yeah, Stephen couldn't, he'd have to be a lot more sly if there was. <laughs> totally. I need my dad, you know. Well, it's interesting that you point out like, yeah, like privacy, because like if we sort of like step outside into real world, one of the the big things circling around the cast is this possible real life love affair that's happening with Grace Van Patten and Jackson White. And it, I think it was just like a week ago, you know, rumors have been swirling for ever. And they both posted these duplicate Instagram posts that seem to imply that they're saying they are together, even though I still haven't gotten confirmation. I mean, is this the best or worst kept secret? Like, did everyone know they were together? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think we're out now. I mean, I, I don't think I'm spoiling anything. I think they come out. I mean, it seems like that. I mean, they were definitely making out in a post. Yeah. 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 I'll, I will be mortified. I feel like there are pictures of them holding hands on the red carpet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no, no. It was every everyone, everyone was aware. I mean, I it always... It wasn't anything tawdry or bad. It was, you know... Well, I always look at like when you are in an industry where, I'm sorry, everyone is really hot and you get to work with people who are really hot. It's like the best dating app ever. Like you just kind of eliminate so many things. You can like get to know each other really easily. Yeah. It's interesting. I think it, I think people assume that casts are always hooking up. And I think in my experience, it either is like that or it's totally the opposite. And I think when people are in their 20s, it happens a lot more, you know, and they're, they're also way on location. Everyone becomes like a, a little family and we were all in Atlanta. 
I think it happens as much or not as much as it does in any other industry, really. It's just, it's, people are very good looking in the industry, but I feel like there are always work relationships, you know what I mean? In, yeah. In, the, in other jobs as well. I would think so too. Now, I would think the one twist that would make it interesting though, I mean, this show is like beyond sexy. Like it is, and maybe this is TMI, like after every episode, like I had to go have alone time with myself because it it is very I love it. It is very sexy. But like one of the interesting parts that I didn't even learn until I was like, you know, talking about the show on my Instagram stories was Jackson's real life mother is Katie Seagal, who plays his mother in the yeah. series, which my understanding is you really wanted to cast her and you actually had reached out to Jackson to sort of like get his okay that he was okay with it before you even pitched it to the network. Yes, yes, yes. I wasn't about to make an awkward situation because some people, he was very, they they worked together beautifully. It was wonderful, but I wouldn't be able to work with one of my parents, at least. Like one of them, maybe I could, the other one, absolutely no. So I had to check, you know, yeah. to make sure. But yeah. And like, how does that work? Because, you know, obviously this is still her son. Like, is, she, is Katie able to watch back episodes? Like, or does she just skip over those? I mean, there's a lot of scenes though. I didn't ask her. I think she's watched it all. I think so. Okay. I mean, you know, it's so funny. I, I'm. It must be weird as a parent to see your kid doing that. But it's also when you're an actor yourself or as a writer, because I'm on set all the time, like it just becomes so sanitized and it doesn't, I mean, I've been in the room when my husband has intimate scenes that I wrote, you know, and it's, oh, just, wow. not, it's just not a thing. And I think people assume that it would be weird or, and maybe for some people it is, it's just not like, it's all so unsexy when it's happening and it's all so fake, but I yeah. do think it's weird for a parent to like see their kid naked and all that. Like, I, I guess it's, it must be a little different if it's a parent, you know, I've never, I don't have kids yet. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> So one of the things that really stood out immediately when I was watching Tell Me Lies, and I think it also, like when I talked to friends about it, was just how it made you realize, oh my God, we've all had the same life because I'm able to relate to every single woman, at least, every single character in a different way. I'm wondering, like when you were writing these characters, like was your intention for that to happen? Or were you expecting that, hey, maybe this person will relate more to, you know, this person or this person? I thought that different people would relate to different characters more. I did think that just the overall nature of these kinds of relationships is, is very relatable for anyone because in the development process and when I was hiring writers, so, I mean, it was the first thing anyone said was, I had a relationship like this. I had a Steven. And you just realize how many people have had these sorts of toxic, all-encompassing things. So I thought that was going to be relatable. But I'm glad to hear that you found all the female characters relatable. I totally did. Because it was like when it came to like, obviously, very much the main character. I'm like, yes, we've all had our Steven DeMarc. I mean, I probably have had way too many, which is like awful. But even with like Pippa, I was like, you know, she, one of her, and I've told people there's a lot of spoiler alerts. So if you haven't watched, go watch immediately and then come back and listen. But with Pippa, it was like, you know, she wanted everyone to believe that she had this very, you know, she had an orgasm every time she had sex. And I remember, you know, being young and feeling like I should feel that way too. And it wasn't until like, 
my late 20s where I finally admitted, like, you guys, I don't ever have an orgasm with penetrative sex. Like, I only have <laughs> orgasms through my clit. And, like, I'm just letting you know. So if you guys are having this, I don't know how you're doing it because I can't. Yeah. No, I think that it is such a thing, especially, it, I mean, I think in general, like, we all bullshit about our lives and our sex lives. And I think at that age, I certainly remember pretending like I was having better sex than I was. And it it definitely wasn't until my mid twenties that I even knew what, what good sex was. And I think with Pippa, the performative aspect of it, there's a long, I mean, in my experience, there's a long time before sex is no longer performative. Do you know what I mean? Even in the moment, because she's so aware of the other person's eyes on her, that that's all she's focused about or she's focused on. And so that was a fun, that was a fun storyline to write for sure. But um, yeah, sex is just, it's such a humiliating thing to figure out. It is. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's hard. It's hard. Now, writer's room are like notoriously like male dominated, but it seems like you would have to have a lot of women in your writer's room for this storyline. Like, is that the case? What did I, I had three girls other than me and then two male writers. And then we had a male writer's PA and female writer's assistant and female script coordinator. So yeah, mostly women. And like, you know, obviously this is based on a book, but like, you know, this, the book ends at some point and you have to carry on. Like, do people sort of like contribute sort of like their own life stories and like those sorts of things to the characters? Yeah. I mean, we, we changed a lot from the book. I, I'm not, did you read, have you read the book? I haven't read the book, but I've seen like where some of the changes happened. There are a lot. I mean, I, I was really, hopefully no one's offended. I was very unfaithful to the book and the book is amazing. It's just what works on a page doesn't necessarily work on TV. So I had, and it, it's not as plot centric, the book. So I had to create a lot of the plot because the book is so just internal and about feelings. So we came up with a lot of it. I had already written the main strokes of the season before we started the room. Cause I had to write like an outline to get approval for them to greenlight a room. Yeah. But yeah, we were all contributing a lot of our own personal stuff for sure. I would, one of the things I did read through and people, you know, someone had done an article about like, you know, what's different from the book. And, you know, most of it made sense to me. I'm like, yeah, that would work on screen. One interesting choice I thought was in the book, apparently the main character, she has a very severe eating disorder. And that mm-hmm. while I see there's like nods to it, like every once in a while, like, you know, she'll get a salad and people will be like, oh, you're making me feel bad. And, you know, she's thin. You don't, it's not a thing that's called out, which I actually appreciate. I'm just wondering, like, was that, was that like a purposeful decision to leave that out? It, it was a few things. One was just, we felt like there was so much stuff to cover that it would be hard to give that the time it deserved and not just make it sort of a trope. I also think it's really hard to portray anorexia, specifically anorexia on screen without glamorizing it. Personally, I have a a very long history with eating issues and like selfishly, I was sort of like, I just don't want to fucking be in that headspace, you know, like for my own sanity. Because when I read the book, it's very accurately done. And there's something about, I mean, eating disorder, it's so addictive and like the counting of the calories and like the shrinking. And that's very much a part of the book. And I was like, I just don't want to be in that headspace. And also what am I going to do? Tell like, how do I externalize that on screen? We're going to have grace 
just start to get thinner and thinner. Like, I don't want to do that, you know? So yeah, we just left it out. But I hopefully no one's upset about it. I, I no. just think it's, it's hard to do without being, it can, it can be, I think, dangerous if you don't do it really, really well. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I totally agree. And like, I think, you know, trigger has become such like a, a word in our society. And like, when I talk about the show, I, you know, I say to my friends like, oh, you'll be triggered, but not in a bad way. It's more like, oh, you're going to remember that guy. Remember that guy you did, you know, senior year, like you are going to like get triggered. And I like that we focus on like the triggers that like maybe it has like a bad history, but not like in that way, which is like why I, I do appreciate that it was left out. You know, you say you've had like your own Stephen DeMarco's in the past. Like, is is there one that like stands out so much and still like impacts like relationships to this day? Yeah, I had, I had my first relationship was with a guy who, I mean, and he was like my first, you know, everything. I, it was just bad. It was very, very bad. And he was a lot like Stephen, I would say, just wildly manipulative, wildly dishonest. And I, I never knew what was real. And I, when I finally got out of that, it was just like, wow, I, I felt like I was able to breathe for the first time. But that relationship kind of, for most of my 20s, altered what I thought was normal and acceptable. Mm-hmm. And then I had another relationship with a much older man uh, for a lot of my 20s that really, really did me in. Really, like... Really fucked me up for a minute. Are we allowed to curse? I don't know. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, that that one really fucked my head. And so those two relationships, but it, it's funny because they made me, um, I was not always the nicest to men in respect. You know what I mean? I was so emotionally unavailable, I think, with other people because of those two relationships. And I think there are probably some men out there that would say I was a little careless with their feelings. I was never like a cheater or anything, but I yeah. was... Um, I was a, a, I would disappear quite quickly. I was a little fickle and I was just very like, I'm going to do me. And it wasn't until I met my husband, honestly, that I was like, oh, this is, this is easy and sane. And there's no, there's no drama. And it, I didn't realize until that moment that like reliability and kindness and all of that could be exciting and yes. just as exciting, you know, you don't need the the highs and the lows. And but I remember when I when I first started dating him, like calling my mom and being like, "He's trying to see me every day. He's like calling me all the time. He's like, what's going? He's trying to introduce me to all his friends. 
what is ha-? and my mom was like you are really fucked up this is normal <laughs> This is like, how it's supposed to be. She's like, you've been living in Los Angeles too long. But I, I was literally like, what's he trying to do? What's he, you know? It was weird. Well, that's what I, another interesting part, I think, about the time frame of like 2008 to 2015, because like that's also when Sex in the City was like really big. And I was like, and it stands out to me in yeah. like how we looked at the Mr. Big and Carrie relationship as this like, oh, and it's like, no, he is, he is Stephen DeMarco. He is so toxic. I know. I know. So, I still have a crush on, on Mr. Big, which is terrible, especially now. Not the actor. I don't know. All that stuff. I know that's bad. But yeah, when I watched the show, I was always, I wanted her to be with Mr. Big, which is... We all but, did. He was, you know, he was intriguing. And you do bring empathy to Stephen DeMarco's character, which is like interesting because my understanding is in the book, like you kind of like figure out right away that he is like this narcissistic asshole, crazy person because you like have insight. Whereas like in this TV show, you have to see it sort of play out. And I'm just wondering like, you know, giving that empathy, like, do you have to do that in TV? Because that's the only way that viewers will become invested in the story. Or like, do the writers just love that payoff of like finally being able to like reveal and then everybody being like, I knew it. I think there is more freedom in a book to have a character be, you know, unlikable and not worried about whether people will continue reading. I think it's different to read something and to see it you know, to see this really terrible behavior just has, can have a, it's just, you know, it can feel worse to watch than to read. And so I, there was a little bit of pressure to keep, not people liking him, but at least wanting to stick with him for the story. Because if people are too just entirely appalled by him, then no one's going to keep watching. So yeah, there was some pressure with that. But um, it is also just fun to, we, we just never wanted people to have him figured out completely. I think in the finale, you're sort of like, oh, okay, he's, yeah. this is the level of bad that he is. But we wanted to keep people guessing as much as we could. But people were, people were mad at him. I didn't, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just like fucked up, but I expected <laughs> the audience to be more forgiving of him. And I was like, oh, okay, people have good boundaries. That's good. That's good. People are not accepting his, his bullshit. So how do you like talk to Jackson outside? Like, has he been walking down the street and people like yell at him? Has has that happened to him? I don't think in person people are mean to him, but I know he gets some shit online. Really? (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. Well, what's so funny? Just don't, don't read it. But I think he thinks it's funny though, but it's not like people are, he was, he, he was joking the other, the other day. He was like, it's either people being like, I want to stab him and kill him, or I want him to stab me and kill me. Like a lot of people are like, <laughs> I want to throw me off a cliff. And I'm like, why? Why would you want anyone to do that? But um, it's, yeah, people are vocal. People are vocal. Yeah. But you know, what's interesting though, because it's like, this is one of those shows where it's like, you watch it, and then once you get to the end and all of this is real, you revealed, you're like, okay, I have to watch it again to see all the clues that are like happening. And so now it's like going back and I'm just like, wait, we should hate Lucy just as much. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I know that she is, like, getting played by Steve and all of these things. But, like, even just from the the opening scene where she wakes up with Max, which we need to understand that. Like, she's now back with Max. And telling him, like, no, don't come to this engagement party because she knows Steven is going to be there. And just, like, her throughout, like, I'm almost like they, they actually, who is worse? I don't know. 
I mean, I do think that Steven is worse. It's been, it's interesting. We have been really surprised by how angry at Lucy people have been. And, and I get it. She fucks up a lot. Like she gets real messy, but I do think that she is the victim. I mean, there are a lot of victims in the show, but I think she's being so manipulated, so gaslit. She doesn't know what's real and what isn't. She's not aware of her own behavior. And I think when you're being so emotionally and mentally abused and confused by someone, you're acting in constant fight or flight. And okay. so everything is a last minute rash decision of how do I help myself? How do I save this relationship? How do I keep, you know, it's, it's all out of fear. And whereas with Steven, he is open to hurting people. And I don't think she's trying to hurt people. She's accidentally hurting people out of her own stupid decisions, but I don't think there's as much malice in it. And okay. I think she feels remorse afterwards, but I get it. I mean, if she were my friend, I'd be really pissed. I'd be really mad, you know? And with the Max thing in the beginning, you know, I think it's, I, I think it's partially that she just didn't want him to be there. And not because she was going to try to hook up with Steven again, but because it's like, this guy reminds me of my worst memories and the worst parts of myself. And I don't want my boyfriend now to like see that. I just want to compartmentalize. That's how I think of it. But I also understand okay. she's, she lies a lot, you know? Yeah. She does lie a lot. Yeah. Do you have like psychiatrists and psychologists who consult on the show to like get into the minds of these people or like as you're writing? I didn't. I mean, I've had a lot of therapy. So I I did, you know, <laughs> like I feel like I've, I've spoken to, uh, to therapists about these kinds of behaviors and relationships when I was in them. But we did recently do an Instagram live with a doctor, Dr. Z, who is a uh, a specialist in narcissistic abuse. And that was really fun. And she kind of made us feel very validated. She's like, this is a very accurate portrayal of a narcissist. So we were happy yeah. about that. But, um, no, we didn't have someone like working on the show, but okay, maybe we should have. <laughs> <laughs> now I've always read that like with creators of show, like they know how it's going to end, like before they even like, you know, as the first season is being written, like, do you know how it's going to end for all these characters already? I have a broad idea of it. I had a, a firmer idea of certain things before, but now, you know, everything shifts as you see what people are reacting to and how people are feeling. And so there've been a couple things that have kind of morphed. I'm like, hmm, I might rethink that, but there are certain things that I definitely know how I would like them to end, but there's a lot that's still up in the air. You know, okay. I think the big, I, I knew where the first season was going to go from, from the moment I started the room, but in terms of the show, there's a lot that would need to still be decided, but there's, cause the thing is so much you can plan, but then there are things that you have to change story-wise because of production stuff. Like yeah. this actor that you wanted to come do a guest arc, they got another show. They can no longer come back and do, you know, stuff like that happens. So like you have to kind of be flexible. You know, you wanted to do the storyline and this year you no longer can because of A, B, and C, you know, so it's, you have to like kind of be riding with it, I guess, a bit. You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, I've already been reading theories online of like season two and I'm like, you know, obviously it's like, we want to know like, how did Lydia and, you know, him end up together? You know, what happened with Drew? Like, is he around? And I there's so many things. I don't know if we can tie it up, obviously, in season two. 
So we expect there to be a lot more seasons. But when do when do you typically find out when season two will be renewed? Like when when will you know? I think we'll know in the next couple of weeks. Okay. So, you know, I think as long it's, I feel very optimistic about it. I think it just comes down to how our numbers continue to be. I know that we've, we've had a really good audience and it's continued to grow, especially now that people can binge all the episodes. So we just need to keep people watching, but I feel, I feel very optimistic about it. I think Hulu's very happy with how it's performed. So I would think so for sure. And do you get to like start filming episodes of season two while you're waiting? Or do you have to wait for that green light to say like, yeah, you have to wait. Okay. Yeah. It was what once you, what would happen is I would have to go back into the writer's room first and okay. we'd have to write the season and then we'd start filming at some point. Sometimes you have to do the writer's room while you're filming. I was able to finish the writer's room before we started filming season one which is so much better if you can do that because if you're writing as you're filming, it's just really hard because you can't go back and change anything in the script okay. when it's already done. But I don't know. We might. It might be, if we get a season two, it might happen simultaneously. Oh, okay. Now, how do you, when you have a show that, you know, takes place where the characters, A, it's like over, again, from 2015, 2018 to, or 20, 20, 2007 to 2015, plus they have to play, college students and then now be like young adults, like just casting wise, do you like say like, I don't know, we need to pick people with baby faces because we can't have them like alter. Like, do you just spend your off season being like, I hope they don't change too much or gain too much or lose too much or all of these things? To a degree. Yeah. I mean, we definitely, when we were casting, we were like, we need someone who we believe could be in college, but then also when they're 28, it doesn't feel unrealistic. We don't want someone to look like they're playing dress up. Yeah. So that was a part of it for sure. And in terms of people changing, I mean, that's just, you know, I think that happens in any show because for, yeah. even if it's just for continuity's sake, you, you know, people change and cut their hair and do crazy things. But I have had act- had some of the cast reach out to me and be like, am I allowed to do this with my hair? And I'm like, <laughs> I think so. Like, don't, you know, don't put it on me if you get in trouble. But yeah, so it's I would think with CGI and stuff, though, it's, like, not as bad anymore. Like, maybe you could do sort of, like, fixes in post. I don't know. CGI is expensive. (laughs) That's true. It is. is, People always say that, but it's, like, it is expensive. Okay. And especially when you're doing, like, beauty fixes and and stuff like that. But, yeah, I, I think we try to keep most of the looks in the two different time periods somewhat similar. The one thing that I do think will be hard is because we, so we filmed that 2015 sequence, all the stuff at the engagement party, even the stuff that's in the finale with Lydia, we did all of that our first day of filming. Oh, wow. And then we decided to shave Jackson's head. <laughs> and I was like, it's fine because we're done filming that. But I know that if we go back in season two, I've created an issue for myself. So we'll have to wig him up. Yeah. But yeah, we decided to, sh- it was actually his idea. So I blame him. He was like my and oh my god, I'm gonna keep an eye on that wig. We thought, yeah, so so he'll because that is his real hair in the. In I didn't the realize that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, when we shaved it off. So yeah, that'll be a thing. That'll be an issue. But it's fine. Wigs are great. Wigs are great. Wigs are yeah. They've come a long way, much much further than they used to be. They've come a long way. Yeah. yeah. Now I was saw that. Emma Roberts is one of the executive producers on the show, which is really cool. Like, how did that happen? Like, did you guys know each other? Had you worked together before? Her production company, Bellatrist, 
had a deal with Hulu and they got the book along with Rebel and brought it to Hulu and they liked the idea. And then they, it was Hulu that actually reached out to me. I had not met Emma before, but I'd met some people. I, I knew some of the people at Hulu and they reached out to me. And so I didn't know her. Actually, I had met Emma at a party before in LA, but I don't think she probably remembered me. But yeah, we didn't know each other before that. But we weirdly have a lot of mutual friends, but she's okay. awesome. Give me another. Actually, I probably am not allowed to say that yet, but we have other stuff that I think we'll be doing. So is there a chance she could also pop up in the series? I would love that. Yeah. That would be actually. That's definitely a possibility. We have an idea for that for sure. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm very excited about the show. I tell everyone I know <laughs> to watch it, especially anyone who, you know, has had these relationships, which again, I think is everybody because everybody I know has like had their Stephen DeMarco. And look, I think even now guys, they've had their Lucy's. I think oh, guys. Or they've had their Stephanie's or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. I've I've got two brothers and there are some... There's some mean girls out there for sure. There's some, yes. there's some heartbreakers out there. So I think also it's just, you know, people accidentally really hurt each other. I, you know, not like, not even to the Steven level, but I think that when you're young and I think we, most of us have been guilty of, you know, not, not being the best in a relationship in our past. Not everyone, totally. but most people I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, I also think that you should um, partner up with a very good toy company because I think that hand-in-hand with the series would be the perfect gift to send somebody. Oh my God, so funny. No, I love it. It makes me so happy. It was, I, when I, I had my husband read the scripts before we started filming and he read the first four and then he came in and he was like, baby, I'm like, I'm like, okay, good. People are going to like the show because he was, I was like, Simmer down, keep reading. I need your notes. I'm not trying to get harassed right now, but um, it was funny. He was, I, it's so funny when you're writing it, you're like kind of removed. And so I'm not like sitting there being turned on while I'm <laughs> making the show, but people, some people found it to be exciting in that way. So that's good. But I think some people also thought it was like deeply disturbing. Like deeply, Some people do not want to see Lucy and Stephen hook up and some people really do. So I think it's just a, Interesting. Matter, matter how mas- masochistic people are <laughs> or twisted, you know. I'm pretty masochistic, so maybe that's why I love it. I don't know. Well, thank you, Megan Oppenheimer, for joining. Everyone can find you on what, Twitter, Instagram. Where can they find you? Yeah, I am on both. I'm Moppy Oppenheimer on Instagram, and I think I'm Moppy Ops on Twitter. I'm the worst. I like okay. forget everything. Yeah, my nickname <laughs> is Moppy. That's what. Okay. But we're me. definitely, everyone needs to go watch Tell Me Lies because there has to be a season two. Otherwise, I will blame all of you if there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for uh, joining. Thank you so much. This was really fun. And thank you so much for watching the show and for liking the show. It makes me so happy. Thank you so much, Megan, for coming to Kiki about Tell Me Lies. If you have not watched it, just just go binge it now. I know there there is going to be a season two. It is too good. And you're going to want to binge it before it comes out. Go to Hulu, binge Tell Me Lies. And until next time, stay curious, always read the fine print. And if you meet a guy in a dive bar who tells you his favorite bagel is cinnamon raisin, go home alone. This has been another episode of Kiki with the Talk of Shame. 
I'm your host, Kiki Monique. This is a Red Rock Music Podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever it is you're listening and follow me on social so you don't miss any of the tea between episodes at The Talk of Shame on Instagram and TikTok. And until next time, let's kiki about it. Thank you.